This is your host today, Super Vegan Brian. Unfortunately, Special Mikey could not be here because his best friend, Dwayne, had the audacity to have a birthday today. Boo, Dwayne. Boo, Dwayne. Boo. And, <laughs> and happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday. Shame. We, we have a small group today. Kirsty Smurf Erica is occasional, so she couldn't be here today, but we have uh, Hindu Anthony, say hi, everybody. And we are joined by special guest, veteran, full-time freelance game designer, Mike Myler. Hello. Mike, for people who didn't get a chance to listen to the other episode you're on, can you give us a short introduction? Yes. Uh, I am a, a full-time freelance game designer. I've been doing this for four or so years, and um, I get to work with awesome companies like Paizo and Fantasy Flight Games, the Indian World, and you can find out Way more about me and a lot of free stuff at www.mikemyler.com. It's always a pleasure to have you. We are going to talk about mythology today. We have a full discussion planned about ancient myths and how mythology relates to pop culture and all sorts of cool stuff. But first, we're going to play everyone's favorite game, What's Nerdy With You, where we all share the nerdiest thing we did this week, and then we vote collectively on who had the nerdiest thing. Mike, since you are our guest, you are first. Uh, my computer has been steadily trying to kill itself, and I finally cleaned it up. But uh, until that point, I'd gotten to the point where I could really run anything, anything from the past like five years. And um, like my InDesign load up time was like five minutes. It's ridiculous. Anyway, I ended up picking up Freedom Force, which is a game I used to have in high school. If you've never played Freedom Force, it's a computer game. It's a real time strategy control up to four different four color heroes, like 1950s Silver Age comics kind of deal, you know, and uh, you fight Nazis and stuff. There were two games. You get them on Steam. They're eight dollars together. Freedom Force and Freedom Force versus the Third Reich. Uh, They're both amazing in and of themselves. And the part that like really got me going, a friend of mine turned me onto a mod called Pulp Adventures, where they take like pulp characters like, you know, Green Hornet and Kato and the Phantom and Conan and and uh Oh, who else? There's a bunch of Doc Savage. It's awesome. Indiana Jones. And uh, they used like radio serials and stuff and like music from the movies in with the mod. And it was not quite as good as the original game, but amazing. And then I looked and found a whole bunch of mods. So I, I spent, I don't know, maybe a whole 10 hours this week playing Freedom Force games. The one I'm in right now is a Marvel mod and it's the Avengers. And it's about like the history of Mantis and where she's from and stuff. I don't know. I've been I've been geeking out really hard. It's really cool. If you've never gotten Freedom Force, like I said, eight bucks for both on Steam. You can find the mods very easily online, and there are many of them, and they are awesome. <sighs> yeah, I completely forgot about that game. I remember when it came out, and I I always wanted to play it, and I I maybe I'll check that one out too. I totally forgot about that game. I remember when it came out. Yeah, when I was in high school, I had multiple computers around me as I was like rendering video in the summer for the school, like because people were bad at their jobs and I knew what I was doing. So I fixed their audio and it was just a really tedious task and rendering took forever back then. So I'd be sitting there for like hours and there were all these computers around. I was like, well, I just load up Freedom Force and I'm playing a lot of Freedom Force in high school. It is a really good game and you make your own heroes and it's pretty customizable. And yeah, 
Definitely when I was in high school, computers weren't invented yet. <laughs> my high school Brian's computer old. teacher one time we took a screenshot of his fucking desktop and then we moved everything off of his desktop and he couldn't figure it out he had to call the tech guy for the whole community like the entire township come fix it in and the whole time the tech guy is just like looking at the looking at the students like what did you do when he figured it out he start laughing at him I'll give you a hint. When I was in high school, my video game experience at high school was um, convincing a teacher to let me use his computer and playing Doom that I had to load up from DOS. Oh, we had a, what you call it? Uh, What was it? It was, uh, oh no, Quake 2. It was Quake 2. And somebody managed to get it onto the network. So if you knew what to do, you could load it up into a computer really fast. And there was pretty much always somebody playing Quake 2 on a school computer somewhere. Oh, that's fantastic. When I was in like fifth grade, my teacher had an Amiga. Ooh. And that was the state-of-the-art computer at the time. And yeah. we used to play um, Black Cauldron. That's how old Super Vegan Brian is. Uh, <laughs> Anthony, what was nerdy with you this week? Uh, last night, I went to go watch the Dark Tower movie. Oh, it came out? Yeah, it came out like yesterday. It was the first day. How was it? Oh, it was okay. I mean, I'm not sure how much of the books you guys have read, but it is, it does not follow the story of the books much at all. It follows, like, some of the basic, basic key plot points, but it's, like, there's a lot of stuff that's very, very, very different about it. There are, like, full-on just main characters that just don't even exist anymore. I wouldn't say it was terrible, but I wouldn't say it was great. It was just kind of like, it's kind of sat in the middling ground of like, this is what I wish they would have done. I wish they would have done like a Harry Potter thing and just be like, each book is its own movie. Because I really liked the Dark Tower book series. And I think it would have been far better to just tell that story in the movie form. See, that surprised me because I, I figured they were making that movie for the fans. I, I'm surprised they went off script. Yeah, see, that's what I thought they were doing too. Um, and yeah, they like. I'm not. I'm not sure how much of the books. Have either of you read any of the Dark Tower books? I have not. No, no, not me. Mm, okay. I mean, they have like some cute little like throwback to some of the stuff in the books. Like, oh look, there's a rose, and oh look, the beginning in the beginning credits they have a thing called uh, "Produced by the Tech Corporation." Like things that if you read the books, you'd be like, oh, that's neat and that's cute. I like that you added that. But other than that, it was like things are very different. My nerdy thing this week, the Rise of the Goblins expansion came out for the Pathfinder Adventures video game. So I've been playing that. Um, The Adventure Card game video game? Yeah, the Pathfinder Adventures Obsidian game based on the Adventure Card game. They added two new characters. They added Pezak the Pirate. It's like a goblin with an eye patch and a parrot on his shoulder. And Poog from Weeby Goblins. It's a lot of fun. It's it's sort of a mashup between Weeby Goblins and what the goblins were doing dur- during Rise of the Rune Lords. And they only released one scenario. So you go through dares where you have to like do goblin dares, and then you have to like attack the Sandpoint Devil, which is just a horse. <laughs> uh, just a horse. Yeah, it's just a horse, and they call it the Sandpoint Devil. It's like an um, evil horse, but yeah. Well, the, one of the neat things they did was they took all the NPCs from the game, from the like where you're playing the adventurers, they took the allies and they turned them into monsters and they just, they painted them from the goblins' perspective. So it's the same artwork, except they look angry and they have glowing eyes. 
glowing red eyes. It, it was only one scenario. I'm hoping they I'm hoping they do more. I'm, I'm sure for an adventure, they'll do six scenarios. So it'll be neat to see the whole thing. They also, in addition to the two characters, they reskinned all the existing iconics as goblins. Uh, that's cool. And they added a goblin power to each one. I had a few gripes with it. For example, like there was artwork, but they didn't bother to change the artwork and the character icons. So if you're playing Goblin Valoros and you look at the icon, it looks like human Valoros. But I mean, that's just little quality of life things that or little aesthetic things that just would have made me happier. But it's neat that they're finally expanding the game and it's more than just Rise of the Rune Lords. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what else they do. If they if they added Pezak, they're probably going to do Skull and Shackles eventually. I, I had a lot of fun with that. I beat the scenario really fast. I played it a couple times with different parties and looking forward for them to add more scenarios to it. Time for voting. Anthony watched a movie that he's been planning on watching for a while, and I played a video game that I've been planning on playing for a while. But Michael reached for his roots and played one of his favorite games from high school. So I think Mike had the nerdiest thing this week. How many of your your widgets will you be voting towards that? Oh, we're going to do what we did. So, Anthony, did you listen to the episode with Mike yet? No, I haven't. Okay, so Mike came up with this system. Where we each have, have yeah, go ahead and explain it, Mike. You have a number of widgets equal to the number of people plus one. Oh, you're expanding on the on the gaming system now. Okay, so we well, have it's the same way. It's just you need to have more widgets than there are people, basically. So I am going to give I'm going to give Mike three widgets for nerdiness. All right, and I'm going to give Anthony one widget. For and I need to write this shit down because this is going to be harder to keep track of my head than votes. So, all right. So, Mike, three, Anthony. <coughs> all right, Brian. All right, Anthony. You have four widgets. How do you allocate them? I will give. I too will give three to Mike and one to Brian because I I, I do think that going out and doing RPG related stuff is uh, slightly higher on the nerd totem pole than watching a movie. All right, Mike. I'll give each of you one widget, but I'm keeping two of mine just to be selfish. Yeah. So, Mike, you didn't win last time, but your second appearance on Nerd Podcast Radio, you have won the prestigious Nerdiest Person Award. Yes. Um, Would you like to say anything? Would you like to say anything to the little people? As the nerdiest person, I want you to know that I will go out to the world and show to them our nerdiness in all of its glory. And bring more nerds into the fold, propagate so that we might overthrow society. I, I think I should have given you extra widgets on the last one just for coming up with this system. <laughs> I will accept free widgets. I'm not against that. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm tempted to start using it in every episode. <laughs> it's, it's a good way to... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's more cute. fun than one vote. We'll, we'll, we'll have to come up with a name for the widgets at some point. I, I like Nerd duels or something like that. I like the name of widgets because, you know, widgets is a funny word. <laughs> widget. It is a funny word. I've taken widget. a lot of business analyst classes and the term widget is used a lot. It is, <laughs> but it doesn't mean anything. It's a yeah. word with no meaning. I love that. It sounds funny. Widget. <laughs> It does help with this sense of, yeah, it's a sense of I bet if you say it a lot, it starts to lose even more of its meaning. It just seems like one of those words is like, after a while, it's like, this word, what? what? It depends on how high you are. Because if you're really high, a repeated word will lose its meaning really fast. Uh, you know, not that I would know. Yeah. It sounds right. like one of those those popular urban myths. 
<laughs> Speaking of urban myths, Brian. Speaking of mythology, we're going to be talking about mythology today. And Mike suggested this topic. I actually wanted to know what. Why did you suggest mythology, Mike? Why Why was that an important thing for you to talk about? Oh, uh, I think it was because I was coming to grips. I'm one of my one of my. Pro- I want my thing is I make campaign settings that publishers license and then do stuff with. And the most recent one's called the Book of Exalted Darkness. And it's all about playing evil characters in a world that is predicated towards goodness. And like you have a just reason for being evil because all the technology in the world gives off this radiation that elongates the lives of creatures that are good of heart. So like you will die earlier because of the way you were born, which is unjust. But, you know. It also allows them to have radio technology and cars and all this thing. And I couldn't, I, and I, I wasn't sure, like, okay, do I want to have gods in this or what am I going to do? And so mythology was on my mind because, like, okay, well, if I'm going to make a pantheon for this, and I, what we ended up doing was entirely different. We uh, shunted all the pantheon stuff to the higher planes, and people instead worship saints. And the saints are all city-based, so it's got a little bit more realism to it. So, yeah, it was, it was on my mind. I think it's why I suggested it. That's actually really interesting. Where did that idea come from? Was it based on anything? The Saints were, uh, they came out of the design meeting, which is on uh, YouTube, I think. I think it's on YouTube, on my YouTube channel. Uh, but yeah, I did design meeting with uh, all my designers, and we, we talked about a couple of things that I wasn't sure about for the project. And one of them was the gods. And somebody suggested Saints, and then we looked into Saints a little bit more, and I was like, oh, shit, they are. They're pretty much already city-based, like in the real world. Uh, not all of them, of course, but pretty much... Pretty much most of them are saints of blah, saint of blah, saint of blah, saint of blah. Yeah, yeah, that happens a lot that, you know, I mean, you know, San Diego, Saint Diego. Oh, yeah, not even that, but like uh, the, what's the saint, it's not Saint Aloysius, but the guy who's uh, Saint Martin, the saint of lost stuff, is also the saint of uh, some specific city in Italy. And a lot of the saints have like a patron city from which, you know, for, that, that, that they're they're known to be associated with for one reason or another. Yeah. They're born there because they died there, they practice there, whatever. So now I, I have the first couple of saints worked out and how many saints I have to do. And then each one will have like a little thing that they did that makes them saintly, you know. That's a really neat idea. I'm I I I'm gonna I I really need to check out Book of Exalted Darkness. I've been I've been interested in that one. Um, uh, ever it's gonna since be a while. Wrote it on our page. I'm still working. I'm getting the art stuff figured out now. I'll share the arts with you guys after the podcast. You can be like, oh my god. You know, we're talking about mythology today. I got a couple questions about that, but my first question is. What exactly is mythology? Uh, Mike, why don't you answer this one? Because you were giving us a good description before we started. Well, if you look up the dictionary definition, it's a collection of myths, especially one belonging to a particular religious or uh, cultural tradition. And myths are are just legends. They are they are stories that are timeless and passed down from generation to generation, of which I'll point out we're at 400 generations now since the first human. They're informed by a number of things, uh, location, scarcity of resources, uh, the regime at the time, uh, and, and they get transformed to no myth survives uh, the, the ravages of history intact. So what we hear about Zeus or uh, Jupiter, depending on who you're talking to, is very different. Well, it's not not necessarily very different, but it's not necessarily what the actual belief was in the time that it was uh, more than just a legend. Because a lot of mythology that have like so there uh, uh, mythology is such a complicated and broad subject. 
But yeah, it's a collection of myths. Myths are stories uh, that are tied to religions or cultures. And uh, they are ultimately lessons, which is why they become timeless and uh, stick with us thousands and thousands and thousands of years later. So, Mike, what is it about mythology that makes it so nerdy? Or what's nerdy about mythology, even though I think we all know the answer to this? Well, uh, mythology is <laughs> for for easiest cultural reference and we'll we'll talk more on this later in this in in the podcast superheroes are our mythology right like they didn't have captain america back in 300 bc they had zeus and hercules and and odysseus and and Heraclitus and all those other guys uh so it's 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 a type of hero you, you get a lot of hero worship in mythology and i think that's that's probably the nerdiest part about it, honestly. Although, depending on what mythology, myth- mythology and religion, or rather culture you're looking at, it could it could also be about how ridiculously complicated it is. Like Zeus got around with a lot, a lot of humans. Depending on what you're looking at, the counts range up into the hundreds. For the Knights of the Round Table, uh, depending on what accounts you're looking at, uh, I want to say one has a max out around four hundred. 26 or some ridiculously high number uh so like it's not just lancelot and percival and and king arthur it's apparently another 400 dudes uh but again that depends on on on, on what particular text or story or legend you're talking about now a real person could end up being a mythological figure because it was discovered later that king arthur was real right Oh, yeah. Yeah. King Arthur was a real guy. Beowulf is probably originally a real guy. Like uh, most most mythology is based on something that really happened and then just got spread around by hearsay. And, you know, you know, the telephone game. Yeah. Uh, the so, telephone game on a massive scale. So then folktales would be mythology. Oh, absolutely. Totally For sure. Would would George Washington be considered mythological? Uh, depends on what you're talking about George Washington doing. Well, like when it's, you talk about the stories about him, like the I cutting down the cherry tree and mythology, never tell a lie, and having wood, having wooden teeth. Okay, so he that's did not weird. have wooden teeth. He did he have did not. He, he did, did have, have false teeth. Though. False teeth, but they did not come from wood. No, they came from uh, a variety of sources, mostly slaves. Yeah, uh, that's a sad story. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, it did, depends on. The specific aspect you're talking about, there is definitely a mythological figure that we can look to and say that's George Washington. But there is also a a, one of the interesting things about George Washington uh, that that really happened. And we have a real count for that actually sounds mythological is when you read his letters talking about how he never felt more alive than when he could hear the bullets flying past his head. Yeah, he was a a lot of medical issues. So I believe that. I don't, I don't think that he could hear or see very well, especially for a freaking surveyor. But um, I, there's also those stories about them um, analyzing his code after battles and finding bullet holes through it in places that would have shot him. That's probably mostly mythological. Oh, yeah, definitely. So definitely, definitely. legends and mythology and legends and myths are the same thing. Um, it, they don't necessarily have to be, but they often are. Um, you could have like a. If, if so, if it's not widely believed and it's just like uh, your family's crazy, like, oh, here's here's a good, good one. Um, my sisters, for whatever reason, I assume another relative uh, believed that, like many families with Russian, um, you know, ancestors, that we were 
what's the is it Anastasia is the lost princess who's not lost. She totally died. They found a corpse and everything. <laughs> but like that would be a family legend that definitely doesn't qualify as mythology because that's not widely believed. Right. If if like everybody in Pennsylvania thought that we also were, you know, related to Anastasia, then it would be a myth. But if it's if it's just like, you know, my sisters, no, it doesn't count. But something like Paul Bunyan would be. Absolutely. Although I think we can all recognize that Paul Bunyan probably was not the size of a mountain and did not carve an ox out of one. Now, what makes something go from fiction to mythology? Is it just like time? Uh, yeah, that's one thing. After 72 years after a creator's death, um, their creation becomes public domain. Uh, the Disney Corporation has been, has been fighting that tooth and nail, by the way, because uh, Steamboat Willie came out quite a while ago. Yeah, basically, once uh, it is once it gets out of the hands of somebody. So, I mean, when you're talking about ancient stories, it's a little bit harder to define. Basically, whenever the war was won and a people was subjugated, guess what became myth? Yeah. Nowadays, it's it's a matter of profit. So I'd say Huck, Finn and Tom Sawyer are probably probably at least a foot in the water as far as mythology is concerned. Is that a good is that a, does that answer your question? Yeah, I, I was just wondering like what the difference is between fiction and mythology. I mean, because okay, I mean well, I, I would still think that books of fiction that were meant to be fiction always will probably still be fiction later. But then it becomes a strange thing of well, when people were writing these mythological stories, I mean, weren't they also meant to be fiction at the beginning? And then it gets really confusing. <laughs> well, think about like Grimm's fairy tales. Those are their collections of stories, but some of them are obviously entirely fictitious, but they're definitely myths, right? They have another thing is about myths is like um, fables. Most most myths are fables, uh, which mean that they have something to teach you, uh, which is why they they survive thousands of years. Like, uh, you know, Icarus and flying towards the sun and hubris, basically the lesson of hubris. There was probably never a guy that made wings out of feathers. And flew up to the uh, sun and melted because of wax, <clears throat> falling to his death. Yeah, yeah. So that that would definitely be an entirely fictional account. I think you'd have a hard time selling it. But I think um, I think I'm starting to understand Mytho- myths don't necessarily have to be-, be believed as something that happened. It's that the big difference between fiction and myth is the meaning behind them. So, like superhero story stories, just started as fiction. But because of all the values connected to the different characters, they became myths because superheroes became icons for morals and ethics in modern society. You are definitely getting it. Yes. Okay. Okay. I think I get it. It's it's more of the significance behind the story that makes it a myth, less the what it is. And it needs to be relatable too, right? Like if you're telling a story that doesn't have any humans in it, that doesn't necessarily take it away from myth, but it makes it harder to to be mythological. Like you know, uh, the uh, what's uh, I can't believe I'm forgetting them. Uh, the guys that came before the Greek pantheon. Uh, oh shit, Steph, what is it? Uh, the Kronos, Titans. the Titans. Thank you. Uh, the Titans and the Olympians and their whole battle and thing that, that has nothing to do with humans, but they are human figures, right? So it's still relatable. Yeah, they're human like figures. They have like, you know, human anatomy and all that. Like creation myths uh, would be one of the exceptions to the rule because like then they're just explaining stuff that is relatable to them because it's in their world. 
right? It's an explanation for why the sun is there or how they came to be here and other humans live elsewhere, like the great turtle that carried all the Indians over. So it's like, I don't believe that Captain America is real, but I do believe in the symbol represented in the traditional Captain America. And you can relate to him because he's a human, so it's a story that speaks to you. That's one of the reasons why there's so much controversy over Secret Empire, because the symbol that people have come to believe in has been corrupted in their eyes, while the authors are just trying to create entertaining fiction. Oh, I don't know. I think it's it's shittier than that. I think it's totally profit-driven and meant to be sensational and hit in the marketplace of Twitter. But I've been enjoying the story. It'd be like if somebody wrote a book or a movie where Jesus was a bad guy. People, some people will like it, and some people will get very offended. Then you yeah. hear about it because it was about Jesus being a bad guy. It's you hear about the heresy, and you and there then there the idea would come up that they're just being heretical on purpose to sell books. Exactly, that's what I feel they're doing with Captain America. I think it's I, I was I was not pleased. I was not pleased. A lot of people weren't. I don't really read a lot of comics, so I don't really have any sort of skin in the game you know i'm so glad we talked about this today because i never imagined that this would head towards secret empire i'm i I know i'm the one who did it but it didn't (laughs) dawn on me until we started digging into what makes mythology mythology i was gonna bring up cats in america because he is the best example of how superheroes are the new the new pantheon of gods because there was a last year they erected a statue to captain america in prospect park in brooklyn and then they moved it around New York and people complained and stuff, but it still went up, right? Like, is this, this is a fictional character that they put a statue up like with near historiologic, like, like you would Andrew Jackson or, or so, or president or, or Napoleon or whatever, which is unprecedented. So pretty cool though. Oh yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm down with the Captain America statue. Please, for the love of God, let's idolize like that. That sounds like a great thing to idolize. Uh, not Secret Empire cap, but like, you know, real cap. I'm, I'm about that. But it's uh, if you told somebody 100 years ago that this was going to happen, they'd be like, what? Well, 100 years ago, they probably would have been like, you mean those stupid little books the kids read? Mm. Yeah. Is it a pulp comic you're talking about? Yeah, they would. They wouldn't. They wouldn't believe it. Right. That would that would have to be. Uh, that's that, and that's kind of why it's myth. It'd yeah. be really fun, guys. We should totally tell our favorite mythological stories. And since um, I brought it up, I'll start. Okay. Okay. So in Hindu mythology, there's a story uh, of Kali and Shiva where Kali was basically scaring the crap out of some like nearby villagers at this village because she decided to just hang out in this forest that she liked. And they prayed to Shiva to be like, hey, can you make your wife go away? She's really fucking scary. What with the wearing skulls and human arms and she spooks us out. So he goes to tell her to go away and she's basically like, nah, bruh, I like it here. It basically ends with them having a dance-off to determine who wins the argument. Yep. Swear to God, they just dance. That happens fairly frequently. Oh, it's so... I'm like, wait, wait, did this... Did this, did this husband-wife-god duo have a dance-off to determine who, who wins a, a, a marital argument? That's amazing. <laughs> That's pretty damn cool. Which, which gods is, is it again? Shiva and Kali. Oh, wow. Yeah. How did the dance-off go down? Shiva won, but he kind of cheated. He did, like, a special dance that, re- like, required the use of his genitals. Her uh, womanly 
like respect for her body wouldn't allow her to do it, which I'm like, uh, that's a little strange considering just like a few chapters ago in the book, she was like running around naked slaying demons. So it's like one moment she's like, oh, I can't be naked because that's disrespectful. But in the next moment she was, but eh, whatever, was it about I guess naked drives or was it about the... using her genitals. But yeah, yeah, that that might be that might be where they where they were going with that. There's a lot of stuff that ends up getting changed from, uh, you know, edition to edition and translations and rescriptions and so on. Oh, yeah. So, especially since a lot of these stories are told again, but through different books, because Hinduism isn't like there's a Bible. There's like multiple, quote unquote, yeah. Bibles. So you might hear the same story told very differently depending on which like script you're reading. So, Mike, what is your favorite mythological story? Uh, I'm going to be a cheap bastard and toss it up between the Iliad and the Odyssey so I can just get everything. Because the Iliad covers all the Trojan War and what led up to it, which there's a lot. There's a lot in that. And then the Odyssey is everything about Jason and the Argonauts and him trying to get home. I mean, the sirens, uh, the, the witch changes men into pigs, Achilles heel, like all that stuff is included in either the Iliad or the Odyssey. I know. And I'm sure that yeah, you, you probably know a lot of it already. Cause you, Both of those stories are really cool. Yeah, they really are, honestly. The Argonauts is oh, so dope. I know. <laughs> it's so isn't cool. it? Yeah, it was so awesome. Who stabbed? Nobody stabbed me! Oh. <laughs> right? Oh, fucking cool. So yeah, I'm, I'm just going to be cheap and quick. Iliad and the Odyssey. Or one or the other. If I, if I had to pick one... Uh, I have to pick the Odyssey. The Odyssey. More ends up happening. A lot of the a lot of the Iliad is is just stuck on battle stuff, which is neat enough. But you know, there's more story to be had in the Odyssey. I I was actually going to grab something from the Odyssey. I'll grab something else. But I do want to point out Odysseus telling the Cyclops that his name was no one or oh, nobody. Yeah, no one. No one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was really good. Cool. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. killing me. <laughs> 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 well, then, well then shut up <laughs> and that's and i think argus so is in the odyssey too and he's i think maybe my favorite greek like proper half god i i think all the uh, eyes i think um homer needs credit for inventing who's on first right it's definitely the primordial origins of who's on first i'll read that my favorite thing of mythological story is more of a universal story I've always loved the fact that across almost all mythology, you just find a story of a flood over and over and over again. And I think it makes sense because culturally a flood would be a really big deal. And regardless of, you know, you can say they're talking about the same flood, there's going to be a flood at some point and that that will change culture because floods can be disastrous to quality of life at that time. Well, and then also think about it this way. I mean, it could just be a really big localized flood to a very small area. Like, let's take, for example, you know, the flooding that happened um, in, uh, her, you know, Hurricane Katrina. If you are a small village of people who live in just that small area and you haven't really seen much else, that's going to look apocalyptic to you. And you're going to think the whole world is covered in water. Not all the flood stories Call it an apocalyptic flood. For example, in Chinese mythology, the flood is just a giant flood of the Yellow River. So, oh, but there, okay. but but it's like almost every single one has a flood story. So I find that fascinating. They've all got creation stories too, and and uh, 
that's that's a hard it's it's hard to look at that one because there's it's crossed tens of thousands of years and they didn't yeah. really have proper archiving or anything you know? creation stories it, it just kind of makes sense that if you're thinking about the meaning of life and where you came from that you that creation stories would arise it's just the idea that it's a flood is so universal i think that's fascinating would be would be interesting is to see if you you can find like flood stuff in like because I know the Sahara Desert was not a desert about oh, was it six thousand six thousand or less somewhere around there when when did the Sahara uh, but in like desert nomadic cultures if they have flood myths that be yeah nice. it would be one it but it's 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 actually something interesting to bring up because it's hard to track down that it's hard to track down mythology for nomadic cultures it's yes it is because a lot of it is almost always spoken. Like the Norse, they have uh, this really crazy, weird circle rune thing that they still aren't sure they're translating right. And that's like it. Other than that, it's just spoken word. I'm, yeah. I'm glad you brought up Norse mythology because Norse mythology is one of those interesting things that I wasn't even aware of it until I started reading Thor comic books. And I think that Norse mythology is something a lot of people were introduced to through Thor. Oh, yeah, certainly. Like, I, I don't know anything about the original stories. Do you? Uh, I do. Uh, it's been a while, but I do. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a serpent that's going to eat everything when Ragnarok happens, which is the apocalypse. Odin, the all father. He has a bunch of ton of names. They actually do a really good job with Odin in um, American Gods. If you've read or seen the recent series, which I personally really like the adaptation they've done. I need to sign up for stars so I can watch it. I didn't have it at the time. I had just taken it off our plan, so I was going to do Stars Online for a little while so I can check it out. What's the actress from X-Files that plays media in that? Uh, oh, I can never think of her name. I don't know. I'm terrible. Jillian Anderson. Is it Jillian? What is she in? Is it American Gods? She plays media, right? Oh, oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Media. Yeah. I thought you were saying Medea. And I was me, no, the god of media. Yes. Yes. She, yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's definitely Joe. I, I watched the scene where she was she was embodying Ziggy Stardust and was like, I need to watch this show. Oh, yeah. No, she killed it. Yeah. Yeah. So I was um, that's, I didn't even you don't you don't even look at her and see her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was getting confused because Stephanie's been watching Twin Peaks and David Duchovny is in it in drag. So, yeah. Tell us a little right. bit about American Gods, because we're, it, it totally relates to the topic. Oh, absolutely. It's all about mythology and mythology in the modern world. It's an excellent novel by Neil Gaiman or Gaiman. And I know I'm pronouncing his name right. Um, it's one of my favorite books, actually. I bought a copy for my mom uh, years ago. Uh, it follows. I don't want to give it too much away, but it, it follows a guy who just gets out of prison and then gets mixed up with the gods, all of whom are um, around. I, I really don't want to give it away. Uh, you should watch it. It's excellent. Uh, or, at the, or you should read it, too, because um, there's stuff in the book that did not happen in the adaptation. And they move some stuff around and there are a couple of extra parts. But yeah, yeah. And the casting is really good. It, with one exception, I really like the casting in uh, American Gods. It's, it's all about modern mythology. And to tell to, to tell too much more about it would ruin, ruin it for folks. And I don't want to do that. Oh, cool. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, you really should. It's really good. That does sound like a pretty neat show. In mythology, as it relates to pop culture, what are some of the things that we've we've seen representing mythology on like television shows and movies? Um, Michael, 
I mean, Mike, sorry. I'm used to having Michael here, so I keep calling you Michael. Sorry about that. It's all right. Um, there are a couple of major archetypes that you see throughout mythology that uh, you'll also find in popular culture, like the trickster, for instance, uh, Anansi in Africa, Loki in Scandinavia, uh, the Raven here in America, and all over popular culture as various characters. Who's my favorite trickster right now? Uh, Peter the Finger on uh, Game of Thrones. Peter Fingers. Is that oh, Little Finger? Little Finger. Yeah, Little Finger. Littlefinger is a great example of popular culture trickster. Uh, I never thought of I never thought of taking characters and comparing them to icon to archetypes in mythology before. Oh, for sure, hero, the the savior, the uh, uh, what's the one where you uh, crucify yourself and get get screwed over? Uh, martyr, uh, the martyr, martyr. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'll you'll find. Uh, I mean, what was the? I, I want to say there's like. Two dozen or so I- iconic, um, like mythological archetypes, and you can fit pretty much any character into those 32. The same way that, you know, there's 23 kinds of stories that have been told, and that's pretty much all the stories that can be told. Who would the martyr be in Game of Thrones? Ned Stark? Uh, yeah, he would definitely qualify a martyr. Um, For sure. I would say, uh, Bran is also a martyr. You could make an argument that Arya is a martyr as well, and John. Pretty much all the Starks. All the Starks, yeah, yeah, all the Starks. Pretty much. Oh, well, I mean, I don't know. Um, Bran, right? He was the one who died in season two during the war, right? No, Bran is a three-eyed raven, isn't he? Three-eyed raven, okay. Um, which one is the Stark that died during the war? You know, he, like, started the whole war against... Yeah, the, the King of the North and, and all that. I cannot um, remember his name. What, Robert? Robert? No, Robert Baratheon was the King of... Yeah. Uh, Rob Stark. Rob yeah, Stark. there was a was... Rob. Yeah, yeah, it was a Rob Stark. Yeah, right. Rob was the one that died in the Red Wedding. Yeah, 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 exactly. I don't know if he'd be considered a martyr because he died for going back on his oath. That's not quite a martyr per se. Yeah, um, a martyr is a is a champion of something, and the champion of the North is no longer Rob Stark. I mean, you could. What's what's really interesting about Game of Thrones is they followed mythological archetypes, but the the actual archetypes of the characters were based on people in history from the War of the Roses as well. War of the Roses, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so mythological archetypes are themselves based on people. Yeah, it's it's neat how storytelling t- works that way. Um, as far as like actual myths being represented in pop culture, um, I think a lot of the one of the ways a lot of us are introduced to Greek mythology is Hercules, the legendary journeys mm-hmm. or even farther back um, Clash of the Titans. Yeah, that was my first introduction to Greek mythology when I was a kid. And I, I watched it on TV and was amazed by that movie. I thought it was and I'm talking about the original the uh, Harryhausen. Yeah, that that movie blew me away. I don't know. I I got in trouble an awful lot, so I spent a lot of time in the library because eventually they got tired of having me just sit in the office. So now I now now talking about pop culture creating its own mythology. Would you say that about like Lord of the Rings? That's difficult. Oh, that's a difficult question. You certainly could, and there would be reasons to say so, but you certainly couldn't, and there'd be reasons to say not. Well, I know there's a lot of. Um, there's a lot of religious iconography in Lord of the Rings. That's the first time the the wizard sort of really, really gets fully defined. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess I'd weigh in on yeah that yeah, myth Lord of the Rings is creating its own mythology and becoming its own mythological, um, mythological. Yeah, Lord of the Rings, as far as since it is based in Christian stories, so it's like, is it its own mythology? Probably. Because he well, did expand to it. Well, and purist, right? Like, it's going to be influenced and changed by all the cultures and stories that interact and change with it. Well, there's also the fictional mythology within the series. Mm-hmm. Well, see, I'm not, I'm, not even, that too. I'm not even thinking about that. Most people don't know shit about how the mountains of, of Middle-earth came to be, right? They just think they're weird. If they what? think about it at all. Can you think of any, um, and this goes to you too, Anthony, um, we'll try to chime in when we can, If we, because I'm just thinking about this one on the spot. What television shows and movies have created amazing fictional mythologies within their universes? Televisions and movies specifically. Books too. Okay, well, one, if that one's easier for you. Forgotten Realms fucking killed it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Forgotten Realms killed it. So if you're um, not familiar with Forgotten Realms, Forgotten Realms was a role-playing game campaign. It in is. It's a campaign Japan. setting by... It uh, still Wizards exists. Of... It's not yeah. was. Yeah, it is. Um, but it was originally created in the 70s? Oh, I don't... No, I don't think it was 70s. I want to say... Was it 80s? Yeah, 80s. Yeah, it came out when I was a kid, so 80s. Yeah. And it was... It is, sorry. <laughs> I say was because I haven't played Forgotten Realms in years. I haven't either. It's been a while. It is also represented in novels and the famous one that most people have heard of are the Dristo Urden series written by R.A. Salvatore. Also Baldur's Gate, Neverwinter's Nights, and Ice yeah, Cream Dale video games video are all game based on. But the the mythology in the series is amazing. They created a pantheon of deities. Yes, and they're all very, 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 very involved with the world. Um I would say probably my favorite personally is um HP Lovecraft. Ooh, that's a good his one. Stuff, his stuff is totally taken on a, its own mythology with its own, like, deity, like, deity hierarchy and all that. Interesting uh, cross-section. There's a 3.0 book that got in trouble uh, because they used H.P. Lovecraft gods that were not part of the public domain yet. And they had to pull the book off the shelves. Whoa. Oh, yeah. yeah. Deities and demigods. And you can find it sometimes. It's not really worth was anything. Was it deities and demigods? Or was I thought there was a demigods. follow-up on de- deities and demigods. Now, I don't know if it happened again, but it was the original deities and demigods, because I found it a few times. Okay. okay. Yeah. The, um, you open it up, and you can find the Lovecraftian mythos. It wasn't It wasn't just... No, now some of them were okay. Like, Cthulhu, I think, was already well in the public domain, but it was like some of the more... Yeah, Cthulhu is public domain by now, I think. Oh, yeah, no, for sure, for sure, for sure. And there's still some fighting over a couple of them. But, yeah, there's... I don't know, what did he, he made, like, 20-something of them. And there's, like, eight of them that are obscure and came way later, and so they're not... They're not PD. So, you, yeah, you can you can make Cthulhu whatever the hell you want. It's fine. It's public domain. But if you go and you pick, I don't, I think Nar- Nardothotep is also public domain. But yeah, uh, no, yeah, no, Nar- yeah, Nardothotep, I cannot Be careful that. and double check if you decide to make something with Lovecraft Mythos to make sure that you are picking one that is not protected still under, you know, the Lovecraft estate. Now, to be fair, I mean, there's only a couple more years until it's not protected anymore, but... I mean, we'll see. Uh, like I said, Disney is fighting those laws tooth and fucking nail. Yeah, because yeah, cause they're Disney. Nah. Sometimes Disney really pisses me off. <laughs> now, DC Comics went through that, too, with Superman, didn't they? 
I think they might have. Yeah, the, the, I, I've read all sorts of stuff about the the um, the public domain aspect of Superman. Yeah, it I, from what I understand, it's basically Superman is public domain and he's not at the same time. <laughs> but it gets I, complicated. Yeah, I haven't looked, so I don't I don't want to weigh in and say something incorrect. Oh, I never thought we'd have to do fact checking on this podcast. That's so boring. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, yeah, we're talking about something real for a change. Oh no, the I um I don't like Superman anyway. So. One thing that gets referenced in, in like Me either. One thing that gets referenced in oh I hate you guys. Uh, <laughs> I am a huge Superman fan. I wish Special Mikey was here so he could back me up. Superman's only good when he has a foil. That's it. Superman is not indestructible and has a whole lot more weaknesses than just Kryptonite. And that's why he, he needs a foil. He's such a Mary Sue. No, he's yeah. not. He's the Mary Sueiest of Mary Sues. No, he's not. <laughs> I, I'm gonna. I. 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 Um. Tell me that again after the podcast, because I have a. I have a something I want to say, but I can't say it now. <laughs> In um, fandoms, often the mythology of a show is brought up, and um, shows get praised for how good their mythology or how how well um, they take with the continuity of their own mythology. For example, I'm a big part of the Supernatural fandom, which is has a rich mythology that the show's been on for so long that if a writer makes a teeny tiny mistake with the mythology, they get crucified by the fandom. Yeah, yeah, people get boozed. Yeah, the um, an, a, a big one that was not out as long, but I think had such a huge following because of its mythology was uh, Farscape. Okay. The, you know, the, you, if you build a really deep history that the characters can reference and the stories can reference, you get... You have the opportunity to tell amazing stories that you wouldn't be able to tell otherwise. So I think mythology is really important in fiction for those reasons. It can be. I mean, you can't you can't use it as a crutch, right? Yeah. Uh, well, not even because like, look at Forgotten Realms. They made mythology like the big part of it, right? Like the gods are an active part of the world and will you know be obstacles for people playing in the world. Yeah, and if they want to shake up the story, they do a big plot with the gods. I mean, that was the big thing behind um, Baldur's Gate, the video game, where the fallout of the what happened with the gods in the fiction impacted the game directly and created the main storyline. Yeah, yeah. I mean, creating a, a world encyclopedia for a world isn't necessarily creating a mythology for it. Like, if I know all the the planets in whatever system of uh, Warhammer 40k this cosmology and i i you know know what the hive world populations are and like where i can go buy some synth calf or whatever uh that that's not that's not necessarily mythology no it's just a rich background yeah mythology would be lore within the universe that has meaning to the characters within the universe oh buffy the vampire slayer also i think hit the mark for that right yeah yeah i absolutely agree you you had um different um, different monstrous cultures within the within the universe, and then they even started to tie it all into demons within the universe. So vampires had their whole entire history where it was a bloodline that was corrupted by de- demonic forces. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I think that one of the failures that we keep seeing with uh, the various incarnations of Van Helsing is that lack of of it doesn't it doesn't the, 
especially if you're doing stuff that is already kind of mythological, to not have a deep, rich history accompanying it makes it the suspension of disbelief so much more difficult. I was just I was just watching um uh I just watched this the Castlevania Netflix series for the first oh, yeah. time. I liked it. And I got into the YouTube rabbit hole of if you liked Castlevania Netflix but it was too short, what else can you get into? And I I stepped my foot into Vampire Hunter D and I think yeah. I may have regretted it. <laughs> because the, the only amazing. thing to get there's only two movies. That's the only yeah. part regret. I I um yeah, but oh my god, the fandom. Oh yeah. And that's an old one. You're talking about something from late nineteen eighty five. Oh, mid eighties. Yeah. Yeah. And then the the sequel came out in what, two thousand three or something like that? Oh, ninety eight. I think it was before 2000, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's really, they, hmm. I was always a big fan of Ninja Scroll, so I'm excited that the sequel was made by the same guy. Oh, yeah, and he, he also got a short in Animatrix uh, that was really good. Now, I think The Matrix would be a, would be a good example of um, when the writers had a decent idea for mythology in the show, and then they lost it and well. totally went off the rails and went in the wrong direction. There's a lot of controversy over whether the Wachowski brothers wrote the script or not. Oh, really? I, I, oh, I yeah. That there was a lawsuit and stuff. Huh. Yeah. So that might be that might be what you're thinking about, that disconnect there. Because there is a big disconnect between the first one and the sequels. But I, I thought that might have just been pushed to do a sequel where they were trying to take a complete story and continue it. And you can't really do that all the time. Yeah, yeah, the the first Matrix was better off just as being it. Although I did like the Animatrix thing they did. I like that one a lot. But yeah, the 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 actual movie sequels not so much. So, we are we are out of time for topic. We didn't discuss what movie we're going to describe badly. And I was actually wondering, um Michael uh Mike, do you have any blind spots? Do you have any movies that people always tell you that you need to see that you never seen? You read a lot when you were a kid, so I thought maybe there might be one. Uh, you know, I still have not read or seen because I I hate zeitgeist. Uh, any of the Harry Potter stuff. Oh, no that's Harry Potter at all. Um, would you like, mind if we explained none? one of the Harry Potter movies to you badly? <laughs> none. I have never subjected myself to a Harry Potter book or movie. Oh, that's fantastic. Subjected, subjected yourself. Oh, how dare you! <laughs> in high school, gloriousness is Harry Potter. In high school, the DM, the 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 D and D group was like, "Oh, let's do, let's do like a Harry Potter game where we're all schools, wizard school." And I was like, "No, no, no!" And then the other guy who was like, "No," so I played uh, the necromancer guy, who, and <laughs> then the other dude was, uh, he had a much better character. He was the, the like son of the head of the school, but he hated magic, and he insisted on fighting stuff with a sword. <laughs> <laughs> that is as much as I got, and I kept remember. I remember the the running joke was I'd piss the DM off and be like, "Hey man, so when when are we gonna get into Quidditch? When does the Quidditch game start?" And then yeah, I had to go to college, and I only got to play a couple of weeks. But yeah, no no Quidditch came up, and uh, from what I understand, no Quidditch came to follow, and anybody who mentioned it got a nasty look for them. Ah. <laughs> Can we describe the first Harry Potter movie? Absolutely, badly? absolutely. Go okay, for it. Anthony, you've seen it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll, I'll start off. So he's um, so Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, right. Daniel Radcliffe. Um, he's basically a little scrawny, nerdy kid with messed up hair. Um, lives with his abusive aunt and uncle, and then 
he um he um uses his dark powers to imprison his um to imprison his um his abusive um his abusive cousin in a in a snake pen so that gets the attention of the magic school which sends him millions of owls to invite him to the magic school and then he goes there and meets a ginger friend and a girl on a magic train um and then they go through a ton of adventures learning they don't learn any any proper skills anthony you want to you want to take this up where i left off yeah they don't really learn any like you know this is how you do math. This is how you do English, which kind of makes like like tangent. Do they ever learn those things? Because those are actually kind of important things that you need to learn in school, not just magic. Okay, n- tangent over. There is discovered bad stuff is happening. Oh, no, we must stop the bad stuff, Harry Potter says. And Ron says, I will help you stop the bad stuff. So they go to secret part of the school by using potion that makes them look like other kids. And it tr- and it they'd done hoodwinks. Some of the professors was good hoodwinking that they did. I don't even think you're in the first movie anymore. <laughs> so this is really explained. <laughs> no, they they did the 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 polyjuice in the first movie. Yeah, they did the polyjuice in the first. I don't one. remember that. So yeah, they um there's there's a troll in a dungeon, and then they have to go through a whole bunch of trials, including wizard's chest, and then they stop the bad guy by touching him. And he, like, turns into smoke. Yep. Oh, and the bad guy was someone's head. Oh, yeah, and then at the end, Harry has to go back to his abusive family. Well... Because, because there is no CPS in the, hair, in the in the wizarding world, apparently. Or in England. It's just a commentary on England. <laughs> they don't have CPS. <laughs> <laughs> so the only thing that sounds like it's missing is Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't well, think <laughs> um, we also left out their know-it-all friend because you know, screw her. We didn't talk about her once. <laughs> Riney, you said um, that, met, that he met the lady on the train. Did they? Did I say they met a girl? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. He's a, he's a ginger uh, girl. All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I did include her, Miney. She's like one of my favorite characters in the series. It's weird that I didn't give her enough credit. My bad example. Do you ever have any plans on reading the books or seeing the series? Uh, uh, I'm gonna have a child eventually, so probably. <laughs> I much Just, prefer Xanth, but I don't want to give Xanth to my kid until he's at least 12, 13. I'm not familiar with that. Oh, oh, so cool. It's so cool. There's a lot of really weird uh, sexual themes and eroticism mm-hmm. in it, uh, but it's like super subtle. And it honestly, I I was just a little confused when I read it as a kid. But yeah, it's it's awesome. I think they're making a Netflix series out of it. Honestly, uh, it's it's really. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I get ahead of myself. Honestly, it is one of the best fantasy uh, novel series I've, I've I've ever read. It's really it's about Piers Anthony. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, check out the bookstore. Grab a couple. They're they're really. Yeah, solid. I'm. I'm I've been reading a whole lot more lately. Um, after I finish my Pathfinder Tales books, I'm reading um, King Killer Chronicles. Exactly. But yeah, Xanth. I'm writing that down. Is it just Z A N T H? X A N T H. X A N T H. Okay, cool. Again, uh, I would not give that to someone under the age of 13. Okay. We are all done. Um, Michael, is there anything you would like to promote? Uh, Mike. 
Mike, well, I'm so sorry. <laughs> let me see. Uh, we didn't get to touch. Some, I asked on Facebook people wanted to hear about, and one of the things they asked for recent mythologies of Slenderman, Chicago, Batman, Cryptozoics. Um, I think we kind of touched on that. Urban myths are, are essentially mythology. That's why myth is in the word, right? Um, and they are... Uh, it's, urban myths are a little weird because it's mostly people who are unhinged or immature spreading it around and, and actually maintaining belief. Like... Like the flat earthers, right? Like that's that's definitely mythology. That is a that is a recent mythology. And then how mythology crosses over into active belief is weird and another great example of flat earthers. And again, that would be uh, prevailing circumstances, right? Like if you are subjugated by another culture, your mythology or rather their mythology will become active belief for you. And uh, yeah, like go, go ahead and look at the Roman Grecian empires about that. There was a definite lot of stuff we didn't get a chance to talk about. We'll have to put that in the bracket to get to talk about it again. Uh, urban legends, especially, is something oh, I would be excited. Yeah, that to could talk be about. a whole show. That could be a whole we show. Well, I mean, we should yeah. talk about flat earthers next time. People ask, so I thought <laughs> I should mention at least a little something for them. And then, uh, what's the last thing? Cultural battle of competing groups to own mythological icons is we don't have time. We don't have time. Do you do you have any projects that you want to? I talk do. About? I do. I do. I do. Uh, so I have four campaign settings. One is called Ranthia Codex. It's for Pathfinder. Uh, we just released a bunch of books on there. I think that you can get like nine of them in print and it runs the gamut for pretty much any kind of any kind of fantasy campaign you want to play from uh, Eastern fantasy wuxia to like sword and sorcery to like subterranean horrors and psionics to like nautical stuff, robots, aliens. I got I got it all in Varanthia. And then um, Hypercore 29 is awesome. There's uh, it's, it's like cyberpunk superheroes for Pathfinder or for D&D 5e. And then for the 5e version specifically, we created an alternate timeline called 2099 Wasteland. And sometime in September, I'll be releasing uh, an adventure for it called Ballion Tour. But you can go get the core books for those already. Mist of Akuma is my third setting. It's called it's Eastern Fantasy Noir Steampunk. So think like Ravenloft mixed with Warhammer 40k uh, mixed with Afro Samurai. And you're, you're pretty much there. And uh, the fourth adventure for that is releasing soon. I set in the files for the print proof and uh, the Shadow of the Demon Lord conversion for it. The core book. I also sent in the files for the print proof. And then, um, yeah, Book of Exalted Darkness is, is the next thing I'll be working on uh, seriously. But that's not going to be out for a couple of months. But uh, I talked about that earlier. And you can find out about all these things on MikeMyler.com. Oh, and on MikeMyler.com, shortly after this releases, uh, sometime in August, I'll have a PDF of all the Street Fighter D&D 5e builds I've done. It's like 70 pages with like 26 Street Fighters and then a couple of extra things. And it's free. I won't. That's not for publication. That's just for for fun, because I don't own Street Fighter. I can't I can't release stuff for it officially or sell it or anything. It's just people kept asking for me to collect them into a PDF. So I did it. Since I'm done doing the Street Fighters, the next thing I'm doing is a Warhammer 40k D&D 5e hack, uh, which I got to play test some of. And it's 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 awesome. It's awesome. And yeah, I, I uh, and then the other thing on my website is Hyperscore Marvel, where every week I use the uh, superhero rules from Hypercore 2099 to make a Marvel character. Uh, this week was uh, Luke Cage. I think before that was Daredevil. And next is Iron Fist. The Luke Cage one was really cool. I, I enjoyed looking at that. Thank you. I like to think they're all really cool. I like the, So there's Spider-Man and there's the Venom symbiote. So you could take the Venom symbiote and take Spider-Man and make Venom. Or you could put the Venom symbiote on Luke Cage and make Venom Luke Cage or any of the other 
two dozen superheroes I have on. Oh, there. I haven't seen that one yet. Did you do it like a template? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a template. If oh, when you go to the website, this is for everybody. At the very upper left is a thing that says "Read Me." It's index Read Me. Click on that guy, and that will give you the the quickest breakdown. Like here's all the stuff in a convenient numbered list. But yeah, like Wolverine, Thanos, the Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, the what's that that asshole with three faces that is like the super duper god? The um, Great Beyonder? Or? No, the Living Tribunal. Yeah, the Living. Tri- I have the Living Tribunal up there. Squirrel Girl. Squirrel Girl. Squirrel Girl. Cyclops. Hammerfrost. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, it is really neat. Go check it out. And 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 they're all built like as you would a PC using the hyperschool rules, which for anyone who plays Pathfinder, it basically works the same way that Mythic Adventures works. It's just in a different direction. So instead of becoming invulnerable gods, you become very deadly hyper-corporate superheroes or freedom fighters. I mean, you can do however your game is. But yeah, the superpowers make you more deadly and harder to kill overall, but not harder to knock down. So the drama of the game goes up. Because when I played Mythic Adventures, I found it kind of kind of boring because I never felt my character was ever in danger. I, I I had that same problem with Mythic Adventures. I was throwing the most ridiculous things at the party, thinking that I was being unfair, and they just owned everything. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. I Mythic per- Adventures made the characters, I think, way too powerful. Yeah. Well, so so one of the things that that like they couldn't do that I could do was so Mythic Adventures has to be released in such a way they can also have their accompanying adventure path and they can support it with PFS, right? <clears throat> with a Pathfinder Society play because their entire all of Paizo's stuff is 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 calibrated and, and constructed upon the framework of their organized play program and therein the, the subscriptions. So when they make Mythic Adventures, they had to make it so it's just as playable at a generic table as the regular Pathfinder rule set. I did not have to do that. So I specifically talk in the game mastering section like you're supposed to stack the odds really fucking high. Like the, the players should feel like they're going to die every time they go on a mission. And the, the caveat to that is you get to use hero points differently than normal. And one of the things you can do is cinematic crescendos where you take over narrative control of the scene. You're like, and depending on how well you describe what you do, the GM gives you more leeway with, OK, uh, you're one minute kind of bland description of what you do. Yeah, you get a critical hit and you can do two rounds worth of actions. But if you do like a really solid description of cool ideas and stuff, then it could be like, oh, yeah, you score five critical hits. Three of the SecOps guards drop to the ground dead. You're on the other side of the parking lot. And, but you can't do that with PFS organized play. Right. You can't give that much narrative control away. So they have to keep things grounded in the simulation. Sorry. I really like <laughs> Hyperpore. And it gets it gets me really excited because like every time you play, like it does it gets really exciting when they realize they hit that point. It, like it's oh it's sh- totally making me want to run it. It sounds like my type of game. It's cool. And there are three adventures, one of which it is really totally does. free. Uh you can go and download them at hypercore.com. H Y P E R C O R P S. As far as us um, we have a Patreon now. In mm. addition to our Facebook page where we post nerd-related news and content, we now have a Patreon where you can support us and patrons can view our bonus content. We post a bonus short episode each week. So um, if you want to have access to that, go back us on Patreon, and we also appreciate the support. It helps us upgrade and get new things. Um, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdpodcastradio and patreon.com slash nerdpodcastradio. You can also be- reach us by email at brian.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com. Mike, the other Mike, mike.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com, and anthony.com. Uh, 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 I was lazy with the joke this week. 
or on Twitter at SuperVeganBrian, at NerdcasterMike, at NerdcastRadio. Please review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts or on Facebook if that's easier for you. We appreciate any reviews you leave. And even if they're negative, we can use them to help us improve our content. That is all we have for this week. I enjoyed this conversation, Um, Mike. I feel like I took it over a little bit because you had so much more to add. Um, We're going to have to do it again. Sorry. Yeah. um, If we talk about film, I'll be the same way. It's it's been a lot of our philosophy. I spent a lot of time. A lot of time breaking into into those those fields of thought. I think we can do an entire episode around urban legends. So I'm actually kind of happy that we didn't rope that into the subject because now we now we have something else we can do because that is something you can totally er- nerd out on. And there's a new one too. There's a new one, the Chicago Batman. Really? Oh yeah. Okay. So don't oh, don't yes. go into it deeper. We need to okay. save that. That's amazing. So we talked about classical mythology. We talked about how mythology relates to pop culture. We had a great time talking with Mike. Uh, Anthony heard, uh, Anthony talked about the dance-off between um, oh, I, I mixed, I mixed Shiva it. Kali and Shiva. Kali and Sheila. Oh. Shiva. <laughs> Kali and Sheila. <laughs> um, Kali and Sheila down at the bar. <laughs> you know, I thought that same joke in my head. Thank you very much, Mike. It was great to have you here today. I have been Super Vegan Brian, and I was joined by Hindu Anthony. Bye, everyone. And veteran full-time freelance game designer, Mike Myler. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was was a good time. Everybody, stay nerdy, stay informed, and stay awesome. Awesome. Thanks for listening to our nerd show.